0: Problem was that the defense crumbled with the same amount allowed. Hello everybody, welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, aka Miami Total Football Radio, an Inter Miami Focus podcast, providing you all the latest news, updates, analysis, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more. This is the first of two episodes this week, given that Inter Miami has two games. On the agenda. Of course, we will dive into the first of those two games, which is on Wednesday night, against the San Jose Earthquakes, as well as recap this past weekend's thrilling, wild, emotional roller coaster of a four-to-four draw against FC Cincinnati. My name is Franco Pinizo. I am one of your usual co-hosts. I'm one of two on this pod today, and joining me. Back in the fray, back in the fold is Island Jose, a.k.a. Cinco, a.k.a. Jose Armando. Jose, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, doing good. Excited to be back. I'm sorry, everybody. Andrea is not here. <laughs> she's the star she's of the, the show, show now. She's the star, but I'm not to blame, just just so that I don't get messages <laughs> after the podcast released. No, I'm not to blame, but she will be back later this week,
0: I'm sure. Well, that's more than fine, Jose, because we can have a very deep dive, just you and I, into this most recent game. There was a lot that happened. Eight goals in the match, oh, back and forth affair. Andrea, I, I know you weren't at the game for this one, but Andrea and I and, and Michelle Coffin, our friend of the Miami Herald, we were all sitting there and we had to rewrite our stories multiple times because the game just kept going back and forth and the narrative kept changing so we will dive into all of that including what exactly happened to that defense what exactly happened to inter miami to concede four times and have to settle not even settle they have to salvage a point from this game so, we will do that. Of course, we will have our Q&A session at the very end, as well as give our final thoughts. And we also have a question from the last pod that we'll carry over just for you, Jose. So, be ready for that. Well, enough for the pleasantries. Let's get to it. Okay, Jose. So, Inter Miami had a very important six-pointer, as we informally call it, at home at Drive Pink Stadium on Saturday night against FC Cincinnati. And Inter-Miami took three separate leads in this game thanks to a historic franchise-first, first-half hat-trick from Gonzalo Higuain. But that was not enough to prevent FC Cincinnati from taking the lead late on off of a Brandon Vasquez brace... Goals in the 81st and 86th minutes. That put Inter-Miami in a 4-3 hole and in stoppage time with practically the very last kick of the game. Unlikely hero Christopher McVay comes up with a left-footed blast off the crossbar into the back of the net. Inter-Miami salvages a point after squandering multiple leads. It was a draw that felt like a loss For the team, just judging by the the somber mood in the locker room, obviously by the post-game remarks from both Phil Neville and Gonzalo Higuain, we will dive into that in just a bit. But all of that considered, your biggest analysis point or your biggest takeaway from this wild, wild, wild draw at Driving Stadium. Um, well, it it
1: was, it it was interesting because, you know, early on you get so many goals, it's, it's exciting, but then, you know, uh, as goals continue to pile up, then you start thinking, are are these guys are going, are going to play defense at any point in this game? Or is this just the way it's going to be? I I think we should be used to that in MLS though, because, you know, that's, that's the reality of the league. Teams are very offensive minded. Uh, and sometimes they forget a little bit about playing defense. It's unfortunate for Inter-Miami because, I mean, Gonzalo Iwain scores three goals in the first half. That should be enough for you to win a game at home. That was not the case, unfortunately. And it was a not, not a good night defensively for Inter-Miami. I guess that would be my takeaway That, that right there. Um, you know, it's it, it's something that going back into, you know, the last uh, three games, eight goals have, have been allowed um, like this inter-Miami defense. Um, and um, I, to me, especially at home, that, that's not a good stat. I mean, that's something that's not going to help you win games, and, and especially in, in that position they are right now, fighting to get the, at least the final spot in, into the playoffs. You need to be better defensively, especially at home, to win games. Forget about um, away from home, because it's been a struggle all, all year long, but if you want to make it to the playoffs, you need to win at home.
0: And obviously Inter-Miami wasted an opportunity to do that here because a lot of the other results in the Eastern Conference went Inter-Miami's way, something Phil no- Phil Neville noted after the game. That aside, Inter-Miami remains in 11th place in the Eastern Conference with the draw, while Cincinnati remains in 7th in the standings. So Inter-Miami... Nothing really changed for them there except for the fact that they just missed an opportunity to to jump up in the standings. They remain three points behind Cincinnati for that final playoff spot. I mean, obviously, the biggest analysis point, I think, is the defense. Obviously, I think it has been probably the strength of this team up until this point. I would even say historically in Inter-Miami's brief existence, and that's obviously... Maybe not saying a whole lot, or maybe that you know that might sound odd to some people, but the defense has played better than the attack. Clearly, you just look at the attacking numbers before this game, and it me was the was the second worst attack in the league. So, up until this point, I'm not saying the defense has been flawless by any stretch of the imagination, and it obviously, when if the defense is not stellar and that's your strength, well, that depicts why you're in 11th place. But I did think the defense was. The strongest part of this team up until you know up until this game when this game inter-miami's attack finally gets going and, and is clicking on all cylinders well then the defense has an absolute nightmare at the back so obviously let's dive into what happened there what went wrong for inter-miami in this game Jose after the match Phil Neville chalked it up to uh, lapses in concentration individual mistakes he he doubled down on that stance on Monday today when we went to training before the team took off for California, for San Jose, for Wednesday's matchup. So for you, what do you think was the issue for Inter Miami, the overarching issue? Because we could, I mean, I don't think any defender saved himself from the poor showing that we saw on Saturday night, not DeAndre Edlin. Not Christopher McVeigh, not Damian Lowe, not Ryan Saylor. N- none of the four players that made up Inter-Miami's backline had a good game. None of them could be saved from criticism in this one. So for you, what's the overarching reason the team struggled so badly on the defensive side on Saturday? Well, I, I thought, you know, they were lacking
1: energy defensively because they w- they were spending so much energy going forward, moving forward, um, and, and they had the intensity, and, and and they they knew what they wanted to do offensively. But it, it seems like they, they 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 forgot how to, you know, after you expose yourself moving up constantly, you need to have a plan uh, defensively because obviously Cincinnati, you know, they they have talent. I mean, if you look at Acosta, Brenner. Those are good players. I mean, those are good players that, if you give them enough room, they' they are going to hurt you. and And that's exactly what happened. So I, I thought the problem was, as they moved forward, they they didn't have the same intensity defensively. And listen, maybe it's it's very easy for me to say it from here. It's really hard to do playing conditions it was it was a so warm Saturday was a typical summer here in in South Florida. So you know maybe it's it's hard to run up and down the field. But it, that, was, that was just the case. You know, they, they, they had a lot of intensity to attack, but not so much when it came to defense and they were not organized. And, and, they, and several times they were caught out of position. Um, um, they tried to move. Uh, um, at least this is what I saw. I was not uh, on the stadium, so maybe you, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. But um, it did seem like when they were attacking, they were playing with three in the back. McVeigh, Sailor, and Lowe stayed back. Yetlin and um, and um, was it Mota that moved up? No, Taylor, moving back and then move move moved up. They were aggressive offensively, but when they when it came to defense, they were with four in the back. So I don't know if that that mixed up right there is something that you know the players need to need to work a little bit more on. Maybe that's the case. Overall, my thought was, especially in the first half, I thought they, they were not as, as energetic def- defending as they were attacking.
0: So for me, the overarching thing for me here is that the team is imbalanced. The team lacks balance, right? And I think this game just served as a reminder for that because when Inter Miami has been or attempted to be defensively sound, And been successful at it, they have tended to struggle in the attack. This time, they pushed numbers forward, they opened themselves up a bit, and they got what they were looking for in terms of goals, because this team was lacking goals. Again, they were second worst in the league heading into this match. They get four goals. But in doing so, and in pushing numbers forward, they left themselves exposed at the back, and they couldn't, as a team, do enough there to to avoid giving up four goals. So this team is very, very imbalanced. They can't find the right, and Phil Novel can't find the right combination for getting attacking success while also having some good defensive play. It's either one or the other with this team up until this point of the season, largely speaking. Now, you're right in that they, they did, look, they came out with a back four. They came out with a back four. But when they had the ball, DeAndre Yedlin moved up very high up the field. He took up very wide and high positions. Clearly, Phil Neville was looking to push numbers into the attack. He was looking for a solution to the attacking woes that have plagued the team for much of the year. And it helped Inter-Miami to be on the front foot for much of the game. It helped Inter-Miami to create chances, to score goals, to be threatening. But that also left in holes and spaces in behind. And if you're going to play a high line like Inter-Miami did in this game. And they try to be on the front foot. They try to dictate the tempo. They try to be the protagonist. Well, then you're going to have to win those individual battles that are inevitable on the counterattack. And Inter-Miami did not do that in this game. Look at the first, uh, the first two goals. Especially the second goal, which starts uh, in... In FC Cincinnati's defensive third, Inter-Miami's attacking third, the ball comes out and, you know, it's a it's a two-on-two or a two-on-three. And, I mean, hey, credit to Luciano Acosta because he hits a heck of a through ball with the outside part of his right foot to find a streaking Brenner. But Damian Lowe didn't do a good enough job at closing down Acosta. Again, credit to Acosta for playing a heck of a ball. And Ryan Saylor did a very poor job of of tracking Brenner on that run. And Brenner, of course, with a clinical finish past Drake Callender. So the team is what it is. And it's something I, I think I mentioned, I won't say a pot ago, but a few shows ago in that clearly when they were being defensive minded, it wasn't good enough. And I thought, and I said, look, they're going to have to open up. They're going to have to take more chances, take more risks in the attack to give themselves chance to, a chance or better chance to win games, because how they were playing was not only ugly and boring, it wasn't proving effective enough consistently enough. This might be how we see Miami, Inter- or this, maybe not, I think Phil Neville might be reconsidering, you know, a lot of things after this game, but I did say a few shows ago that I do think that this might be the approach Under- Miami has to take, where they might have to just try to outgun their opponents, where they have to just push numbers into the attack, try to score more goals than the other team. You're probably going to give some up in doing so because the team just doesn't have that balance, and you have to live with those results. Because because clearly being defensive minded has not worked for them for much of the year, uh, at least consistently enough to to be where they want to be. So that's what I saw from Inter Miami in this one. Yeah. And and, and something else to touch on here is that Phil Neville, and look, it was refreshing to see because I, and I cannot criticize. And I will not criticize him for it because it's something I've asked and I think you have as well, is that we've wanted to see a more attack-minded Inter-Miami. An Inter-Miami team that doesn't sit back to protect its lead. This time Inter-Miami, when it was up 3-2 at halftime and it came out in the second half, it was pushing numbers still forward. It was looking for another goal to sentence the game. It was trying to make it 4-2 and end the game that way. It wasn't... You know, thrown back in a shell. It wasn't parking the bus, no tan ratoneando As as we've said before, so I'd like that Inter Miami adopted this approach. I like that Phil Neville took that approach. We can talk about the substitutions that he made, and maybe there there were some mistakes. But I like that they tried to play. I like that they tried to look for goals. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but you know, the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, I I, I thought you know. It's at some point, you know, inter Miami needed to be aggressive, and um and actually, this is something that I think we talked about towards the end of the regular season last year, where you know situation in which they needed to win games, they needed to win games desperately and um a- and we saw an inter Miami team that was defensive minded even when they when when they needed to win, so. I, I do believe this is the right way to go. I, I think, you know, they need to be offensive an offensive minded team. They need to because they need to win games. Right. And uh, but, but I think they can be better, though. I think they can. be. Oh, absolutely. And they should be absolutely. Figured, um, defensively. I think, you know, there's there's there should be a balance there in between. Um, OK, I, I'm going to be offensive minded, but I, I need to have some sort of responsibility as well, because I don't think I don't think they can be successful allowing two or three goals every single game, you know, because, yes, Iwane had a very good first half, but um, I don't know if uh, you're going to have a fit Iwain for the rest of the regular season. We already saw what happened with Campana. I don't think that, you know, that situation is going to be very helpful for Inter-Miami, but then again, you know, I, I, just just like you said, I cannot criticize feel for trying to score more goals because they, they need to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, we'll dive into just some individual performances here really quickly because, again, no one on that back line covered themselves in glory in this one. DeAndre Yedlin, I thought, there were moments where he, you know, he worked his tail off and he broke up some some attacking plays from FC Cincinnati that looked threatening, but Está la he's in the frame, he's in the shot, and three of the goals given up. So I didn't think he had a particularly good game. Damian Lowe, I think, out of the four, I would say he almost... I would say he was probably the best of the four, and that's just because he comm- committed the least amount of errors. But even then, he was still involved in in two at least two of the goals from, from watching the game back. The the second goal that, that I mentioned before, where he doesn't... Uh, he was I know he wasn't trying to get beat for pace by Acosta but he, he he allows Acosta to hit that pass. Now, again, it's a sublime pass, a sublime through ball, but Lowe, Damien Lowe could have done better there. He also, on the third goal, over-anticipates or misreads the play. There's there's a I can't remember who it was at the top of the 18, but there's an open man there. And rather than staying in his central position to cut off the, the low cross, he reads it as like, okay, this ball from Barreal... Barreal ...is going to get cut back to to the player at the top of the 18... ...and he moves himself out of the central position... ...and that allows that ball to come into Brandon Vasquez... ...and Brandon Vasquez pushes it home from, I think, just about the 6-yard box. So, Damian Lope didn't have a great game. Maybe not as bad as the other ones, but didn't have a great game. Ryan Saylor probably had his worst outing in an Inter Miami jersey... ...in his rookie season. He had a nightmare. A nightmare. Beaten badly on the second goal... First goal, he, he's in the frame as well. Third goal, again, Damian Lowe let up, and then Ryan Saylor tried to recover. Couldn't, so I don't put too much on Ryan Saylor on the third goal. But then on the fourth goal, he and Christopher McVay get split, and and Brandon Vasquez finishes far too easily, given that there's two center backs next to him, side by side. So uh, Christopher McVay Definitely. also...
1: Y- Yedlin Yedlin gets some um, responsibility in the fourth goal as well because you know
0: he he's uh, I think in they play a pass in behind his you know his yeah. back shoulders how you I guess you would say it in in English and then that's where the cross comes from that's where the cross is born because they they get in behind him Damien Lowe comes out to try to anticipate it I don't I don't you know I don't put much much blame on in in Damian Lowe for not getting there in time. But then obviously Christopher McVeigh and Ryan Saylor, there's two defenders there. One of you, at least one of you can, can clear that ball. So uh, again, I, I, you know, I, I want to be fair to the whole players and Christopher McVeigh did not have a great game either. He helps atone for some of his mistakes slightly. I'll repeat slightly because he scored the goal that saved Inter-Miami from a, a defeat and it was a heck of a strike. Heck of a strike, left-footed. He even asked for the ball. He looked like a like a forward on that play because he he goes into the penalty area and he like you can clearly see that he he uh, sticks out his right hand like asking for the ball, demanding for the ball, and then he gets the pass from the debuting Coco corantin Jean, and then obviously like I said before, uh, he scores with a left-footed effort after cutting with his right. So that's
1: a big goal, though. That if, if you think about it in terms of the standings it's it's big it's big not not because of the point that that Miami earns but because of the two points that, that you well yeah but Cincinnati, two that Cincinnati doesn't Cincinnati.
0: earn right 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 no absolutely absolutely so I again I said you know I think he atones for some of his mistakes but again defensively speaking still not a great game from Christopher McVeigh either so the four players they could have done better Collectively, the team could have done better. I think it just goes back to the point that there's that there's, there's an imbalance there that they ha- has to be addressed. We've seen a more attack-minded Inter-Miami, especially with the introduction of Alejandro Pozuelo. And I've seen Phil Neville now position his team higher up the field, playing a higher line. I have questions as to whether he sticks with that after this game. I think this game, giving up four goals... Could be the type of game that makes full novel regress back to being a lot more defensive minded in his approach and in his plan to try to, you know, eke out one to zero games or two to one games and where he hopes that just the individual talent in the attack can take care of itself. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that that's not the case. I hope that for Inter Miami, they continue to obviously find a better balance, but with the idea to attack. Because well, I, th- I think that's the formula that's going to give them the best chance to succeed. Obviously, this last game, 4-4, is not what you want as a team. It's not what you want as a coach. And you could see, if You I, I, I knew, I mean, obviously when you when you tie 4-4, you've taken three leads in the game. That's not going to be something any coach is happy about. But I knew it would really ruffle Phil Neville's feathers. Because Phil Neville is, you know, we've heard him speak now for a year and a half very closely and, and we know how important defending is to him. We know how much value and stock he puts into being uh tough defensively. He was a defender himself during his his uh accomplished career. So I knew it really, really, really would ruffle his feathers that they gave up four goals and 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 he, you know, he was very open and honest in, in the press conference saying how angry he was, how frustrated he was, how players were gonna have to take criticism. You could see how visibly bothered he was that they gave up that many goals. And I think that, uh, my concern is now that he, that might lead him to being a bit more defensive-minded or more defensive-minded than we had seen in recent matches. But we will see. We'll see how he approaches these next two road games. What were you going to say there, Jose?
1: No, that, you know, there were some positive signs, signs offensively. And um, the second goal is a beautiful feed from Pozuelo to iwaine And, um, you know, that's something that we were hoping for early on in the season we criticize Iwain we criticize phil for um you know the positioning with we, we always thought Iwain needed to be a player that's constantly inside the box um and, and so that pass from posuelo that connection right there I think that's that's a positive that's something that you know maybe Phil should be thinking of as as he moves on, especially because those are two experienced players that you're going to have to rely on um, for, for the rest of the regular season, especially as long as Campana is not able to play the full 90 minutes. And um, it, it's it's going to seem a little bit, you know, I, I don't want to be negative about it, but at the same time, um, they did create a lot of opportunities, but the goals, the, the first one came from a, court, a free kick,
0: Mm-hmm. A, heck, this, of a uh, kick, uh, heck of a free kick! heck of a free He blasted that. That, that was potent, powerful, uh, a heck of a kick from Gonzalo Higuain there, and that came in the. Hold on, I gotta pull it up just so I can give you the reference. The twenty-third minute.
1: Yeah, there's there's a the penalty as well, and and the fourth goal is a is a desperation play basically, in which McVeigh is inside the box where you know, if you're winning the game, he's nowhere near there. Um, and and I'm not taking credit away from that, but you know I'm just saying that you know there's there's still things that you know you can build on, even though you allowed four goals offensively, you, you did find a way to score. Um, I I still believe I still believe that you know Pozuelo can be a, a, an important player for this team, and 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 if he's comfortable enough to connect with his teammates. Uh, in the way that we expect him to do, then you know maybe good things will come. There was a goal as well, a Pozuelo goal that was not that was um, disallowed, taken yeah. off, yeah, by the by the VAR. Um, so you know th- th- those are positive signs for this team. Those are positive signs. So um, in 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 all the 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 defensive. Uh, um, Cares that we saw. I think we we can stick with that positive.
0: There's definitely positives to talk about, and we are going to get to them, including Gonzalo Higuain's overall performance and and where he stands right now. But just to just to you know end or start to end on the defensive note, do you think this type of game could put you know just judging from your seat, do you think this could put or could make Phil Neville be a bit more defense my mi- de- defensive excuse me minded than he has been in recent games?
1: I don't think so. I don't think so because um, I, I think, you know, he it's a different scenario from what we saw last year. Um, last year, I, I, he didn't have the full control of the squad that, that he has right now. And so I think that makes me think that it's, it's not going to happen. I think, you know, he, he just needs to find that balance. I think that's that's the main thing, right? You, you don't want to be overly defensive-minded because I don't think that's going to work for him in the long run. If you really want to make the playoffs, um, that's not going to work. And if you if you just want to have an okay season and you're okay with finishing 11th, 10th, 9th place, then, yeah, you can go. Go that way. But I think you need to score goals and and you need to be better defensively. And listen, you know, going on the road is a challenge for them. We all know. Um these next two games I was talking to Andrea um, after practice this morning.
0: I said these two games are very important for them. Very, very important for them. Well we will dive into those games in a bit. In a bit. One more thing I want to touch on with regards to the defensive letdowns was the substitutions. Phil Neville in looking to continue to push for the fourth goal that would have put Cincinnati away earlier in the second half, he makes four substitutions. They were all attack-minded substitutions. Refreshing to see, I think, if you're an Inter-Miami fan, if you're an Inter-Miami observer, or an analyst such as ourselves, because, again, it showed an, it showed a different Phil Novel. A Phil Novel that wasn't playing to defend, but looking to attack. That said, do you think he overdid it here? Do you think he went too far with the amount of substitutions that he made? Because these were the four substitutions. Leonardo Campana for Gonzalo Higuaín. Bryce Duke for Alejandro Pozuelo. Ariel Lasseter for Indiana Vasilev and Coco John, Quarantine John, for Robert Taylor. Do you think Phil Neville overdid it there with his substitutions?
1: No. I don't I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I I think if if it's okay for him to be offensive minded, although I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> um I think at that point, if you really wanted to be offensive-minded, um, I would have kept Iwain on the field. It's it's the 68th minute. Um, I understand completely that he might be tired, but the confidence level at that point that Iwane had after scoring three goals in the first half, I'm not taking him off of the field. I'm not going to do that because I know if there's a, a free kick again or an opportunity inside the box he he's going to take it and he's going to score so i that that's my only problem that's my only problem i i, I do agree with the fact that okay he wanted to give uh, uh minutes to to campana to try to get him back in rhythm of of, of play i don't i, do I don't understand-
0: like that i don't like
1: that I don't like that. No, like, but I mean if he's ready if he's ready to compete, if he, if he's Kamana's
0: clearly Campana's clearly not a hundred percent. You can see that he's pl- he's playing with a brace or with a wrap around his knee. And look, if if Phil Neville... Analyzed, it's twenty minutes though. It,
1: twenty minutes.
0: But you're look you're looking to win. You're not like I I don't think like, okay, we need to play this guy a certain amount of minutes just to get him going. Like you're trying to win this game. So that's why I'm
1: saying that he maybe he should have kept them both. Maybe he should have kept them both, you know. If, 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 you don't, if, if, you don't, if you don't put all the responsibility to score on Campana, like it is when, when, when Higuaín is not on the field and when he's the only striker, then leave Gonzalo Higuaín right next to him and see what happens
0: if you really want to risk it, right?
1: I mean... Well,
0: that's why but, I think there's a balance. And I think I think in this game, I won't say Phil Noble got carried away or he overdid it or went from one extreme to the other. I won't say that. But I do think that the substitutions played a part in Inter-Miami falling behind in this game. For the first time in the final minutes. Because once he... Look, we've talked on this pod all season about how the team has lacked football. And how different players, when they've been brought in, they give the team football. Now, in the starting lineup, who would you say are the four players? Uh, who, are, who are the four players? And I didn't even give the starting lineup. I missed I, I, I missed that at the beginning there. So I will give the starting lineup here. I'm going to give the lineup, and then you tell me the four players that have the most football in the starting lineup. This was Inter-Miami starting group in a 4-2-3-1. Or, excuse me, no, in a 4-3-3. Drake Callender in goal. DeAndre at right back. Damian Lowe and Ryan, Ryan Saylor were the center backs. Christopher McVay out on the left. Gene Mota served as the six. Gregory just ahead of him. And Alejandro Pozuelo further up the field. And then the front three from right to left. Indiana Vasilev, Gonzalo Higuaín, and Robert Taylor. So, 11 players. Who, Which four do you think have the most football out of the names I just gave you?
1: Well, Higuaín, Pozuelo, Taylor, and... Um... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to mention Vasilev. But, I mean, I guess he's an offensive-minded player. But I, <laughs> in terms of football, 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 I would say Mota, honestly. Right.
0: Mota. Right. That, that, I would agree with you. Those four. I wouldn't say Vasilev has a whole lot of football. He's he's more of an attacking player, but it doesn't mean he has a whole lot of football to his game. He's more physically... You know his game is surrounded more on physical and hard work and, and his work ethic and his his ability to to defend and so I would say Iguain, Posuelo, Taylor, Mota. I agree with you there. Three of those four players came out, and I think that hurt the team. I think they lost some of what they they were doing well by do by taking away those those three players because you can see that and look, you have to give your credit as well to Cincinnati. Tip your hat to them. El rival también juega. The opponent also plays a part, and they got better. They made substitutions that helped themselves get better. So I won't put it just on Phil Novel's substitutions, but I do think they played a part in Inter Miami losing uh, the control of the game that they had because over the and I've, I rewatched the game, and I, you know I always rewatch the games, but I was really eagerly looking forward to watching this game again to better analyze because. Eight goals is a lot of goals to to try to watch back. Um, So, or to try to, uh, excuse me, analyze in in the moment, you know, fresh in front of your eyeballs, live for the first time. So, the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, Inter Miami lost control, and Cincinnati started to to get more of it and started pushing forward a little bit better. Then come the two goals. I do think that the substitutions, there's been times where Phil Noble's gotten them right, and those substitutions have have made an impact and they've come in and scored winners or, you know, tying goals and they've helped make the difference. They've been decisive. In this one, creo que el equipo se I think the team overall was hurt by the substitutions made. Now, again, I am not criticizing the fact that he was attack-minded because it's something I've been asking and we've been asking on this pod for Phil Noble to do, but I think the manner in which he pushed the buttons, I think that was wrong. I agree with you that maybe you keep Gonzalo Higuain. Okay, maybe he sees Higuain's tiring. Okay, then I don't take out Pozuelo. I keep Pozuelo in there. And Bryce Duke does have football. So Bryce Duke came in. It's a, You could say it's a kind of a like for a like, but Pozuelo has much more football than Bryce Duke. I would not have taken out Pozuelo.
1: I would yeah, have taken out Pozuelo. He's a younger player as well, so it's hard for him to you know, get right into the rhythm of things as soon as he comes in.
0: Right, Exactly, and I think that's what happened. I think the the substitutions disrupted the flow and the rhythm that Inter-Miami had with the ball. And again, fully noting and fully giving credit to FC Cincinnati for also doing their part. Porque el rival también juega. The opponent also plays a part. So, I do think that that was part of it. By the way, one last thing. Phil Neville's post-game comment... It, it, if I was a player on Inter-Miami, I don't know how I would take that. I don't know if I would take that well. Where he said, man, I wish I could have been out there defending tonight. Like, essentially saying, you guys can't defend, me and my time, I could have defended. Like I, I don't know how you interpreted that, but I thought it was uh, not the best comment. And I know he was frustrated and upset, but I don't know if that delivers the best message to your to your team. In the uh,
1: that's that's not that big a deal for me i think it's just old school you know and you know he played a, a different way and um and it's frustrating franco i mean it's it's really frustrating it's frustrating listen wait I, wait, wait when have
0: you heard a coach jose when have you heard a coach just say like give, give me an attack give, give me an attacking player zinedine Sidan or you know landon donovan here in here in the united states who's coaching in, in the lower divisions when have you heard a coach, an attacking, a former attacking player, be like, well, man, I wish that chance would have fell to me in my day. Or I wish I could have been out there to finish those chances because I would definitely put them away. Whereas these guys that play today, they that blew them. That seems up. like
1: something that I could have heard of.
0: <laughs> yes. well, I have never heard a coach be like, ah, oh, man, I would love to have played. And publicly, I can't recall something like that. I can't yeah like but, but, but
1: I, I mean he said it publicly but I'm sure every every other coach that was a former player um, thought about it you know sure
0: but that's different between there's a difference between private co- talks with your coaching staff or private discussions or private thoughts and saying it out loud like well man I would have I – mean, I mean if I'm a defender and yes I know I've had a bad game I just again if I'm an Inter-Miami player that was on that back line I don't I don't oh. know that that necessarily uh, helps.
1: The Phil was not room. a bad player, so I mean he earned that right.
0: <laughs> but he's a coach; he's leading this team now, Jose. It's not; it's not like he's not lying, though. He's not. I don't think. I don't I think he's lying. I mean, listen. I just think it's the overall the overall message is kind of like it's kind of a... it's a dig. Yes, criticize them for the performance. You know, say, say that they didn't play well. That's foul, fine and dandy. But I think you know that little dig. It's also kind of like, hey, I. And better, or I would have been better than you guys out there. And like, I don't know. I think it's a little unnecessary. Just my opinion. My
1: opinion. It could be, but I, I, I mean, just, just be better. Do, do a better job next time around, and he won't say it. Right? <laughs> okay, and that, that fixes the problem.
0: Well, let's let's talk about the biggest positive from this game with regards to individual performances, and that's Gonzalo Higuaín. Again, he scores a hat-trick in this one, a first-half hat-trick. That's the second hat-trick in Inter-Miami history after Leonardo Campana's triplete earlier this year against the New England Revolution, but it's the first one in Inter-Miami's history that's been done in the first half. Again, free kick in the 23rd minute, a nice diagonal run to get on the end of a through ball from Alejandro Pozuelo in the 37th, and then a coolly slotted penalty kick low into the right in first half stoppage time after I thought Inter-Miami got a fortunate call there. Jean Mota was brought down or, or fell in, in the box on a corner kick. It went to VAR and, well, Gonzalo Higuain scored the ensuing take. I will start by saying I was wrong. I was wrong. I thought yes. Gonzalo Higuain was done. And I said that a few pods ago. I think I said it after the FC Dallas game. Although I did note that maybe the heat in in Dallas played a part. But I did say that I thought Gonzalo Iguain was done. Since then, he has been on a tear. He has reminded us of the striker that he was in his heyday with some of these goals. Some of them have been spectacular golazos. He still has something to give. So I was wrong and Gonzalo Iguain is in arguably the best form that he's been in since he joined Inter-Miami. In two and a half seasons,
1: no way. He, he was a lot better last year. During, this, during this recent
0: stretch, I'm saying during this recent stretch. It's a small sample size, but arguably, I said arguably, arguably, he's scoring golazos and he's he looks more. He looks a little bit better than he did at times last year because last year, yes, he scored goals here and there, but there were a lot of games where he he looked poor, as poor as he did. Earlier this season for for large stretches where he didn't impact the run of play. He didn't influence the run of play. He would drop. Now we're seeing him more as, like you said before, the number nine that we had been saying we wanted to see on this team. Not the Higuain that drops back and looks to pick up the ball. I think Alejandro Pozuelo 100% plays a big part in this because now you have a more technical number 10 or or you have a 10 out there someone that can pull the string, someone that understands the game, that has the soft first touch and that has the vision to find Iguain, and that allows Iguain or that frees him from, I would say, the self-imposed responsibility of having to drop back and create. I think Pozuelo has been a huge part of why Iguain is now on this this good run of form here. Iguain, by the way, was named the to the MLS Team of the Week and he was voted the MLS player of the week. So, you know, a uh, uh, good acknowledgement for the strong showing he had over the the weekend. That said, again, Posuelo's played a big part. Higuain has done his his share as well with the finishes he's had. So, right now, he's absolutely the starter. I don't think there's there's any any doubt and I will, you know, I'll give credit to you as well because I was wrong. We talked about this earlier in the year. You did say at one point at some point this year, and I'm paraphrasing, that Iguain would become important player again once Campana his form dipped. Well, we're here. Campana's form has dipped, Iguain's has has risen. I think that is huge for Inter Miami to have any chance to even be in the playoff picture right now, to even be in the fight because if if Campana had had a drop in form and Iguain had not raised his form simultaneously, Inter Miami's not scoring goals, Inter Miami's not getting points yeah Inter Miami has benefited from the good fortune that when campana went down with an injury and when he was starting even before that to drop his form, Iguain has raised his significantly,
1: yeah, and this and this is where you this is where I didn't expect Iguain to be as good as 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 he has been because um my analysis of the situation was Iguain is going to be frustrated and uh, when the team, I knew the team would need it, need him at some point because, you know, it was impossible for Campana to play every single game. And um, and I think this is the best part of the whole thing, you know, that um, he, he stayed committed to the team. And yes, this is his job, and he's supposed to do that. Yes, I get all that. But, you know, he played at a high level, and sometimes, you know, uh, players, um, when, when you hurt them, and, and, and when you do not do what they want, what, what, what you, what they want you to do, sometimes they, you know, they they, they, they just change the attitude and, and that didn't happen for Wayne. So I give him a lot of credit for that. He waited for his opportunity, which I'm assuming it was not easy for him to do because he, that's something that never happened to him in, in when he, while he was playing at the highest level. So. Um, yeah, I give him a lot of credit, and and yes, you're absolutely right. Can you imagine if Iwain was not available and Campana not available? I mean, where do you go? Yeah,
0: I mean, they they would have been they would have been in in big big trouble, big big. Yeah,
1: trouble. I mean, and and listen, they're still walking a thin line. They're because, still walking a thin line,
0: All right? Because they're running out of time. the The, the sand yeah. clock is is quickly quickly evaporating. So, or the how do you call that? I don't. Know. I'm I'm blanking on what it's called now. The little, the little uh, timers, the sand timers. Is that what it's called? I'm blanking on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Look, so I will say this to close out the, on this game as well. Actually, I'm going to say two things. Today I asked Phil Neville about Iguayan and whether he's at the fittest he has been because to me he looks a little bit more fit. And Phil Neville responded by saying he's the happiest he has seen Gonzalo Iguain in... Phil Neville's time here in South Florida coaching the team, so that's that's of note. Interpret it how you want. the The second thing I will say: there were also good moments. Generally speaking, from the team, yes, in the attack, but not even just in the attack. In the build-up, there was one sequence in the first half where Cincinnati starts pressing them, and Inter Miami passes the ball with one to two touch passing very quickly very accurately around Cincinnati, and they get out of a tough spot, which was, for me, that's progress from what we've seen from Inter-Miami in the past, that they were able to, under pressure, move the ball, get out of a jam, and get into the attack, progress the ball forward. Thought that was very, very good from the South Florida side in moments against FC Cincinnati. But okay, Jose, let's switch gears to this week's first game against San, against the San Jose Earthquakes on Wednesday night. A team that's struggling in the Western Conference, a team that has undergone a coaching change this year. Matias Almeida is no longer the manager there. This, I mean, on paper, I think this is a winnable game. And I think Inter-Miami will win this game. I said that on the pod at the end of last week, that I thought Inter-Miami would tie FC Cincinnati and I thought that they would beat the San Jose Earthquakes. I stick with that. Saturday proved to be just one point. I think that they get three on Wednesday. But on paper, this sh- this is a winnable game, right? I know Inter Miami not, has not been great on the road. But do you think this is a winnable game?
1: Um, good question. It's a good question. And I'm conflicted about it. <laughs>
0: San Jose's in 13th um, place, while you think about it. San Jose's in 13th place fight. in the Western Conference. They have five wins on the year, just five. Five wins, nine yeah. losses, eight draws. Or, excuse me, five wins, eight draws, nine losses. They have scored 36 goals, which is a healthy amount, but they've also given up 45, which is the most in the Western Conference. I'd have to check to see if it's the most in the, in the league. So... I think it's a winnable game. I know it. I know inter Miami's form on the road hasn't been great, but I think I think if they play well or well enough, I think that they can take three points from this one, and then that would help offset Saturday's result. Even though it's a Western Conference opponent, even though there might be some rotation in the lineup, maybe I think this is a winnable game, Jose.
1: I don't know. Um, I'm I'm uh, sh- I don't see it. I I mean I I think they can win it. Um, but uh, I just I think I I, <laughs> I don't I don't think there's a big <laughs> gap between the two teams. Uh, Jose, I mean, San Jose I just looked S- S- I, San Jose
0: has the most goals they- given up in MLS. The most goals given up.
1: Yeah, but they can score as well. So, I mean, they have scored. You mentioned thirty six in Miami.
0: In comparison, uh, has twenty six after this weekend's yeah, four-goal explosion.
1: So they have ten more goals than Miami. They're going to be playing at home. Miami's going to have to travel, which they did today, which is great. Um, I don't know. I I think listen. I think they should go for it, right? They should go for it, but you know, um, in in a well-organized matter. Not just be overly aggressive and try to win the game in the first fifteen minutes. No, I don't think that's the way to go. But you can you can win this game, but um, it's it's not going to be as easy. I think maybe I'm thinking when you say winnable game that it's going to be, you know, a, a game dominated by Inter Miami. No, and... no, no.
0: I didn't say it's going to be an easy game, but I think it's a game it, that it, they it's... that they that they should they feel that they should win. Like they should go into this game thinking. Let's go for three points. Not let's go for one, let's go for three. I like On the weekend in Montreal, it's, a, it's a, an Eastern Conference opponent. I'm not saying you play for the draw. You need the wins. But if you get a draw in Montreal, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I think here, I think this is a game, especially given where Montreal is in in, in the table. I think this game, given the opponent, given the form that San Jose is in... I think this is the game. This is a game where, you especially after this weekend, you need to make up the points you dropped. And you got to go for the win here. And I do think you need to be... I agree there has to be a balance. But I do think they should be aggressive. I don't think they should, you know, see possession to the San Jose Earthquakes and let them dictate the tempo. I think Inter Miami should look to boss possession, look to play, look to create again with... A healthy balance, or as healthy of a balance as is possible, with this group of players. I don't
1: know. I, I I I see a very complicated match for them. I see a very complicated match. And and listen, San Jose, they they have been struggling. But if you look back at the results, I mean, they are not uh, they're not being outrun by anybody on, on in the league. I mean, it's it's a two-two draw against uh, Real Salt Lake. Yeah, they dropped the game against Portland, but it's 2-1, and it's Portland. Um, maybe the houston Dynamo game. You know, maybe you should San win
0: Jose, against houston Jose, Jose San Jose <laughs> has won <laughs> just one game out of their last five, that, and we're not including the friendly that they played against Celta Vigo. So in July...
1: And against they, the Fiverr, yes. Well, okay, which, So in July, true.
0: they won two games. So in July, they won two games. But in their last five, they've only won once. And they've given up... Two, four, six, eight, ten goals in those five games.
1: Yeah, and I mean Miami's not that far away from that. See, right. that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe my expectations are not that high. But um I I just I just see both of these teams, they are very even to me. I don't I don't see a big, big difference between the two two themes. And 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 listen. Same thing for 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 the earthquakes as well. They really have to go for three points against against Inter Miami. They might be thinking the exact same thing that you're thinking the other way around, right? This is a game that we should win. <laughs> I mean, if we, if, if, if we're going to win a a game in August, then this is our game.
0: Well, I, well, yeah, they're they're well, so they're eight points shy of the playoff spot in the Western Conference, the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. Bit of an uphill challenge. The
1: Western Conference is it's the western conference
0: the western conference is tougher of the two for sure 100 percent and but look san jose only has five wins and yes they play in the western conference but i think this is a winnable game i said it last week i said inter miami in this you know three game and eight day stretch i said they would get four points and i said a draw at home a win in san jose and a loss in montreal andrea said four points as well but she said a win against Cincinnati. I forget if she said a draw against San Jose or if the draw was against Montreal, but she said four points as well. Th- here's a question for you. San Jose has some dangerous pieces. Christian Espinosa, the right winger, is one of those very dangerous pieces. He's quick, can, has a nose for goal, probably not the most lethal goal scorer, but he, he can score goals from that right flank. Do you think we see christopher mcveigh at left back again against christian espinosa or does phil neville after this weekend after seeing ryan saylor struggle do you do you think maybe christopher mcveigh slots into the middle and someone like kieran gibbs starts out on the left to go up against a speedy speedy argentine attacker like christian espinosa
1: yeah yeah i think that that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense i think you know kieran gibbs not being available over the weekend was surprising to me. Surprising, it was to a me. coach's
0: decision. That's what we yeah. were told by a spokesperson, a team spokesperson. It's a coach's decision.
1: I, well, I honestly thought he was injured again, because obviously that's something that has happened to him frequently since he arrived. But um, yeah, I think you know it. It it should be an ideal scenario for for Karen to start. Against uh, the earthquakes, maybe you don't give him back-to-back starts, and Mike Bay comes back into the picture against uh, Montreal. But I think this is a good opportunity for him. Um, I think in the long run, Inter Miami is going to need Karen Gibbs, just like you know they they did before Gonzalo Higuain. I think he needs to be part of a of the picture a lot more often than what we saw in the first half of the season. They're going to need him. Um, I think also, Franco, there's, there's, there's one more element that maybe, you know, sometimes we think a lot about what goes on with, with Inter-Miami, what we know, what we see here. But I'm sure this scouting report for Inter-Miami has Christopher McVay uh, 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 as a big part of it because he's, he's the one player defensively playing out of position, Right, and so they're going to attack him,
0: and he doesn't have an abundance of speed.
1: Right, the, the, I mean, he gives a lot of room to the right back to the right winger, because they know that McVeigh is not going to put a lot of pressure on them. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to stay back a lot, right? And whenever he steps up, it's going to be tough for him to go to 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 run back.
0: Right. So
1: he's part of the scouting report. If you bring Karen Gibbs in, um, then, you know, things might change a little bit. Although, again, Kieran Gibbs with plenty of injuries, you also need to be careful with him.
0: Kieran Gibbs started against New York City FC, the last road game that Inter-Miami had. I I, I think it's it's possible that he starts here against the Earthquakes, but I think we're going to see Christopher McVay at left back again.
1: Maybe the weather situation helps him a lot as well, you know? What's the weather going to be like in California?
0: Well, I'd have to check with the meteorologist, Miami Total Football Radio's meteorologist, because I don't know <laughs> for right now. But I just think Christopher McVeigh will start again at left back, given that Phil Neville prides himself on defending Christopher McVeigh's strength. Although, and again, in this game, he was closer to the Avenue McVeigh that Andrea criticizes him for being. Uh, more often than not, you know he, he you know it, it was he had some trouble there against FC Cincinnati, but I think when you when you know I think defending overall this season he has been solid there, solid, not sensational, not spectacular, but solid, solid and serviceable, and I think Phil Neville will stick with him at left back because he'll trust that McVeigh can do a good enough job defensively, whereas with Gibbs. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. But I, you know, I just haven't seen, I haven't seen Gibbs earn that trust from Phil Neville this year due to injuries, due to form, whatever it is. I, I, I do think we'll see McVeigh at, at left back. That just raises the question as to what happens at, at center back. Does he bring in May Mabika, or does he just chalk that one, uh, or this game to a one off and keep Ryan Saylor in there? Does he switch to a back five? These are questions that I'm sure are going through. Or have already gone through Phil Neville's head in the lead up to this game. But I think there could be changes. I just don't think, I think we'll see McVeigh at left back. Especially, listen, when you hear Phil Neville say something we didn't touch on in his post game remarks, when he was expressing his frustration and his anger with the performance defensively, and he says, we defended like little boys, I think there's going to be some changes there somewhere. I just don't think it'll be McVeigh. Jose, very quickly, one final thing. Today, we were both at practice. We saw a very light-hearted start to the training session from Inter Miami. They played foot tennis, and there were some very, very funny moments as the team competed. I don't know if that was the coaching staff's idea to try to keep the group light-hearted, to keep the, the, the group jovial and in a good place after Saturday's very frustrating result. But what do you think? Just what are your thoughts on what we saw from training on Monday?
1: Oh, man. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. I think it was not only relaxing for the players, but for the media as well. I I, I really enjoyed it.
0: I did too. Uh, Gonzalo, Gonzalo Higuaín had me oh, it's a rolling. Oh, my goodness. And I, You know, for, for some listeners that just want to hear about the, the games and our analysis here, I will share this because we're just soccer junkies. We're soccer nerds. But... This is like type of insight that you're probably not going to get many places elsewhere, and and I fully like you Jose, and I'm sorry to, to interject there, but I fully enjoyed Gonzalo Higuain and how he competes. Like he takes it to heart, like for real, for real. Um, but it was just so funny, man. And I'll share a couple of anecdotes about him here, but uh, I'll let, I'll let you finish your your thought.
1: No, it was it was it was great. It was great. It was great listening to the guys as well. The way the way they interact with them with with within, within with by, right. the way they interact, <laughs> <laughs> the um, it, it was just it was just it was just a lot of fun. Uh, um, I, a couple of things you know like that, that got to me um, when Gonzalo gets eliminated. He just kicks oh, the ball man. to the net. <laughs> Everybody gets a laugh. Um, he was just very. Um, you know, just just very enthusiastic about it. So it it was a lot of fun. And calling he calls, Taylor Roberto. Um, they they do call um, Gregory Gregorio as well for the Spanish speaking people. That what were, be... what were they calling McVeigh?
0: What were they calling McVeigh? They were calling they they were giving him like a weird pronunciation that I thought was funny. Yes, McAvee? Yeah, McAvi, something like that, something like that.
1: Yeah, it's 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 all, it's all Gonzalo. It's all Gonzalo. Gonzalo was having a lot of fun this morning. And um and uh, actually I have a clip of uh uh of the final which uh do you remember who it was? It, it was, was Campana. R- it was Campana Mota, and Gimota
0: they- against Robert Taylor yeah. and I think Christopher McVeigh. And McVay. Hey. Yeah. Yes,
1: and McVeigh. Yeah, it's and it's it's Taylor I think who ends up missing the last point. And so, look,
0: I really wish, and I was recording for like a minute, a minute, and a half of of the competition because the whole team was playing at first, and they're in in pairs of twos, and you get eliminated by the mess ups right? like if you mess up if you if you fault on a point or you you hit it out of the field or into the net, you're out. so the whole team started in this in this game, and they moved in and out and there was one moment where Georgia Costa, and I forgot who, who was with Georgia Costa. I'd have to go watch the, the film. I have it on my phone. You know, they hit the ball to Gonzalo Higuain, who was teammates with Victor Ulloa. And the ball ends up going almost out of the field, out of the little marked space. And Gonzalo Higuain has to stretch to get it. And Acosta was actually, like, around that area. And Gonzalo Wine turns to him, and he's like, get the hell, like, in Spanish. He's like, get out of the way. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I'm being polite in how he said it. He was like, la blanca dormana," Like, get out get out of there. Get out of there. Yeah. Um, and I, I just had a good laugh at that. You know, obviously, that just shows how competitive he is. And obviously, that's probably because he's played at the highest levels of the game. And it's just his his day-to-day Behavior that he's ad- ad- uh, adopted or uh, or had to, to reach those elite levels. The the one that you just touched on, though, man, I had just stopped recording when that happened. When he was uh, when his team got eliminated because the ball comes into Victor Ujua, or excuse me, to Gonzalo Iguaín, and he lays it off to Victor Ujua. Ujua heads it back to Iguaín close to the net. Iguaín tried to do a delicate touch over the net to try to like just have the ball bounce twice without the other team being able to get to it. And in doing so, he miscalculated the space. So (laughs) I'm
1: laughing. It should have been an easy one for him. Oh it was
0: he brings but he brings it down immaculately from the air. He brings it but instead of getting it over the net, he mis miscalculated the space and he gets it into the net, thus the ball hitting the ground for the second time on his and Victor Ulloa's side and thus eliminating them from the competition. What he ensued to do, what he did afterwards was face palm, say another expletive as he looked up into the sky... <laughs> And then he looked at the ball that was just sitting there in front of him, right next to the net, and he smashed it with all his fury, knocking the net over. And everyone on the team had a good, good laugh. Us on the media side, I think we also had a very good chuckle. Oh Oh, yeah, I was laughing. Yeah, I was was... laughing
1: so hard. That was so funny. So funny. It was just, it was just great. It was just great. I guess to put it in in tennis terms, it would be like you know roger or, or rafa missing like an easy shot for them an easy easy shot as, well, he tried to get cute
0: though can. he tried to get cute that's why because he tried to he tried to be clever about it instead of hitting it you know like direct response he wanted to just do he it wanted to do, like a drop shot right exactly like that. Right, like, so they, they right so they can't right so they can't get touch to it. it yeah 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 yeah, yeah uh, it's, the, it's the really final point's also funny though the final point and that there is video of that like, on Jose's twitter that is uh Hose, give the people your twitter handle it's at j a r m 21 right Yeah. Sorry, I didn't want you to accuse me of not knowing your Twitter handle as well. I I did know it. I just (laughs) wanted to let you tell the people what it is. So it's at J-A-R-M 21. Go look at it there. But the the final point is also hilarious because – Robert Taylor I think is the one that stretches to try to save it and hit it over the over the net and in doing so he collides on the edge of it and falls over and it's it's a whole thing. It's funny a good moment, a good lighthearted start to the training session for Inter Miami before they head for they left for the West Coast. So maybe that'll help them in their search for three points on Wednesday night. It's a late one by the way, so get your snacks ready or get your DVRs ready because it starts at 10:30 p.m eastern very late kickoff the game will be done after midnight so reminder for that okay Jose, let's leave it there we'll come back for the q a session and our final thoughts after this Q&A time. We will answer a couple of questions here. Let's start with one from Tank721. Who would be your ideal starting 11 for Wednesday and what formation would they play in? So we gently touched on this subject in the first segment, but now we have to go into a little more detail, a little more depth. Jose, give me your starting 11 and in what formation?
1: Um, I, I wouldn't change, uh, I wouldn't change the formation. I would just, uh, um, I'll play the four, two, three, one.
0: So you would change the formation.
1: (laughs) Yes, I would change it. (laughs) I would change it a little bit. So I would start Marsman, um, Yetlin, Lowe, McVeigh, and, uh, Gibbs. In the middle, Mota and Gregory. Um, Taylor, Pozuelo in the middle, and um, mm, I guess ideally I would go with uh, uh, Addy Lassiter, but I don't know if it's ready to play the full 90. So, But yeah, I would go with Lassiter. Maybe they, I would switch them up. Taylor on the right and Lassiter on the left, and Iwain at the top. That would be my, my lineup.
0: What would I do? I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying what I think Full Level does. I would say what I would do I yeah, would I think go, that's the question. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just making yeah. sure. I would go Drake Calendar. I would go back four of DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Christopher McVay at center back, and Kieran Gibbs at left back. That's what I, that's what I would do. The midfield, I would go with. I think it's pretty straightforward. Gregory Mota, Pozuelo up top. Iguain flanked by. This is where it's it's interesting. Definitely Taylor. I'm not.
1: I'm not huge on Vasilev, but is Coco ready though? I what don't think. I don't. I don't think. By I... the way, it it, it will be seventy five degrees.
0: <laughs> the... Meteorologist Jose with the weather.
1: Yeah, just just so you know, because I mean, Coco, that's an advantage without a doubt for him, because I mean, uh, weather situation with the humidity here, it's it's complicated for Coco, but I think seventy five degrees he can handle.
0: I don't think he's ready though for, for a start yet.
1: Um How about Emerson? Is this the time for him to get a finally a start? I mean
0: he's had he did have a start recently, but you know what? Yeah, I fine. There you go. I, I don't think Phil Neville would do that because again, Emerson Rodriguez still apparently learning the defensive side of the game. Obviously it's not his strength nor his forte. So after a game like this week where they gave up four goals, I don't think Phil Neville will do that, but I would do that. There you go. All right. Emerson Rodriguez instead of Indiana Vasilev. That would be my my starting... Well, one of my starting wingers. Robert Taylor, the other one. Okay. Next question. Oh, and I would... Yeah, I would go 4-3-3. Same formation. Next question comes from Spontaneous Phil. How do we keep all our dangerous offensive pieces in the game and shore up the defense? Because that was the worst defensive shape and weakest backline performance I've seen from this team all year. So we've touched on that... Again, generally speaking, kind of broadly, like how do they go about finding the balance, I guess is the question. That's the tricky part. That's the tricky part. Jose, is there a way for Inter Miami to find that balance? I mean, obviously there's a way to find it a little bit better than giving up four goals in, in a game where you score four, but is there a way for this team to actually be a balanced group or do you think this team, given its flaws, will be uh, imbalanced one way or the other?
1: No, well I I think what I would do what I would do is that, you know, I I, I would I would just help uh, DeAndre Yetlin understand a little bit that yes, we need you to to be at attacking minded at times, we need you to move forward. But only go when you really have to go, when you see an opening. But you know, I think the up and down situation for, for from Yetlin at times creates a little bit of trouble for the rest of the of back line. And um, it, it, as soon as Yetlin moves up and then you have to move low to the right, you have to move Saylor to the center, and then McVeigh is, is, is somewhere in between. So I would say the back line needs to be a little bit more static, think about defense, and uh, maybe ask a little bit more from, from Gregory and Mota. Help a little bit more in the build-up so that Yetlin, he can only go as an element of surprise and not constantly going up the field, up the field, up the field and creating, yes, opportunities offensively, but openings as well for the opponent defensively. So that's the one thing that maybe I would try and see if it works. Um, I, I Listen, we don't have an answer to this until we see it on the field and we go like, oh, yes, that that's the way to go. Because this This is something that you work on during the week in training. And as much as we would have wanted to stay uh, this morning for the whole thing, we can only watch the foot tennis tournament, and that's about it. So, I mean, we get ideas from what we see on on the field, but overall, this is something that it's worked, obviously, in, in training sessions.
0: And look, normally we don't get to see the fun foot tennis tournament. Normally we see them just warm up, jog around maybe maybe do some passing drills we normally don't get the foot tennis which is why I you know I wanted to talk about it on the show because it was something different something we haven't seen from the team uh, at least when we've been in the media availabilities or the media availability portion of training but anyway as for the question what would what do I think they can do look I get I think there's two things I think there's two things that I would bring up that is possible to maybe help address the imbalance Drop the line a little bit, not play such a high line. That does not mean play a deep line and and play in a shell and look to counterattack, but I think maybe dropping the line a little bit from where Inter Miami has been to try to limit the spaces that are in behind, I think that could help. I think that's one potential solution. Another one, and I think this one is a little bit more straightforward, having Gregory be the defensive midfielder again. Just him being the pure defensive midfielder where Jean Mota plays ahead of him and Jean Mota doesn't have to do as much defending. Still has to defend, still has to do his part, but not as much because we've seen Gene Mota play as a, as a deep-lying playmaker. He's playing the six, he's playing in the position or in the spaces that a defensive midfielder would play in, but he's being tasked with moving the ball forward, not necessarily breaking things up. But inevitably, because of where he is, the positions he's taking up, he's being asked to defend at times, and that's not his forte. Look at the third goal. He tries to challenge for the ball. He tries to win a tackle. He cannot. The ball pops out uh, back to Barriel, and Barriel hits the cent- the cross that is pushed on by Vasquez. So I think getting Gregory back to being the pit bull terrier in the center of the park... With a little bit more license to, to roam about, I think, and try to break things up, I think that could potentially help. That would probably take something away from the attack, probably, as would dropping the line a little bit, but I think maybe that helps give you a better balance. That's just two things that I think could be solutions. Could be. All right, last one, Jose, comes from Alante Herons. Lionesses get rid of Neville and win a trophy. Just saying. um i mean that's not wrong right it's more of a comment than a question but you know it was was submitted in the q a session so you know i'll read that one as well um it's not it's not wrong it's not wrong and phil neville did touch on today that he was asked about it by yourself actually and he talked about you know how emotionally invested he was in the final england beat germany in the women's euro final on sunday Two to one in extra time, so he, you know, he, he said watched he, the game with Mr. Beckham. He by watched the, way. the game with David Beckham. He said they were very enthused and uh, and happy, obviously, to see England win the trophy. So, you know, I, I, with regards to the 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 comments, I mean, it's not factually wrong.
1: No, no, but I mean, who knows? I, I guess you know, it's it's he must have been part of it. At, at some point, I mean, development of players and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe is Diego Alonso part of Inter-Miami's too? Or is this a situation where Inter-Miami goes to goes to the playoffs and no credit goes to Diego Alonso? No,
0: Diego, Diego Alonso wouldn't get credit at this point. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah so. Uh, it, it reminds me of like Sergio Marcarian, who was his Uruguayan coach, and he he coached Peru from I think 2011 to 2014. They didn't make the World Cup there. Obviously, there was some carryover in the transition page or transition phase to the next coach was was Ricardo Gareca, and Peru made it to the World Cup in 2018. Marcarian afterwards came out and said, you know, that he laid the foundation for it, and you know, he tried to take some credit, which didn't really go over well with some people in Peru. I'm not saying that's the case here with Phil Neville, but you know I think Phil Neville's far enough removed now where I don't think in England they're like, all right, this you know Phil Neville played a part in this team winning the Euro final. I, that's I mean, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm not in England, so not sure, not sure. Okay, but that does it for the Q and A session, Jose. We will give our final thoughts and we will wrap up the show after that. I will start with mine and then I'm going to uh, ask you to answer a question from last week as your final thought. And I don't want to rebuttal because I've already said my thoughts on it. But anyway, I'll start. But I had a final thought. (laughs) Okay, well, you can add to that then. I will start with my final thought saying that Jairo Quinteros is... The rumors are true. It looks like Inter-Miami is looking for a solution to move him on for the rest of this season at least because clearly he's not getting a lot of playing time. He played with Inter-Miami too over the weekend. He started for them. There's been rumors about him maybe going to Real Zaragoza. He talked to me earlier this year, if not this summer, about not being the happiest about not, not getting starts and not playing consistently on the first team. Phil Neville today was asked about that, and Phil Neville confirmed that they're looking for options for him so he can go get plenty of There were some
1: really good questions this morning. <laughs> who, was, yes. who was? Who was? Who? Jose was asking very very good questions
0: I know it was a rare sight I couldn't believe it
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: so uh, Jairo Quinteros he might not be long for Inter Miami at least for the rest of this year if they can figure something out for his future so it has been confirmed by Phil Neville that Inter Miami is looking to potentially move him just to help him out with his development this year so keep an eye out on that Jose the final thought well one of the year two final thoughts I will ask you to say because one of the questions we got last week was about who you think is a better prospect based on something you said two pods ago Noah Allen or Harvey Neville the floor is yours Andrea by the way she said Harvey Neville last week I said Noah Allen we both said our reasons why by the way in the aftermath of that Noah Allen got an assist this past weekend for the second team
1: uh, Harvey, without a doubt. I mean, by a mile or two, maybe three, four, or five, and I can keep going. Yes, Harvey is. Uh, listen, I think he has an advantage though, and that's 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 where I have problems comparing the two guys because I think Noah Allen. Yes, things are getting better here, um, but I think coaches are a lot better, um. At the higher level, and um, I think RB he he has an advantage. He's older as well. You see, like two two years older than than
0: Noah. So uh, that that's the issue. I said I wouldn't rebuttal, but that's the issue I take with the argument you're making because the question isn't who's the better player right now. The question is who's the better Pros- prospect, and that means yes. projecting for the future.
1: Yes, but I mean we're we're talking in terms of MLS, right? I mean, who's Just the better career? Partner? Career in general, career. I, yeah.
0: I mean, it doesn't have to be MLS. It could be MLS. It could be Europe. It could be wherever you see their 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 wherever you think their futures will take them.
1: Ah, oh, okay, then that changes things a little bit, because I I do believe that Noah Allen, he he has a lot of potential. I think he needs to change positions. He he he's not a left back. He needs to move up the field a little bit more, and then you know things can change for him. It it depends. You know, at what point in his career he decides to make that move and if he's on the right team that would allow that to happen. That's the first thing. Um, Harvey, on the other hand, I think he's better prepared right now. And I would expect Harvey to be an inter-Miami player for years to come. I don't know if Harvey's going to go back to Valencia or any other place in, in Europe just because he had an opportunity and he was not successful there. Early on, but he was very early on in his career. So, um, I would say for Inter-Miami, thinking about Inter-Miami. No, or- no, no,
0: not about Inter-Miami. Just for them and their careers, who's the better prospect? Mm,
1: it's tight. It's tight because. No, you're not so I sure now, I, huh?
0: Not so sure.
1: Yeah, you got me thinking because Noel and I don't know if he's, if he's going to make that move. I don't think he, he's not a left back. I don't just don't see it. Don't okay. see it okay. as a left back. So, but if he if he doesn't make that move, then you know, Harvey is ahead again.
0: You see? Okay. I said I wouldn't so rebuttal, I I'm- and I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best not to rebuttal. So you're saying Harvey? I think that's what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I'm leaning to Harvey. Okay. I'm leaning to Harvey. I'm leaning to Harvey until Noah Allen makes the move and changes okay. position.
0: So you have essentially regurgitated or repeated. What Andrea said last week she also has said she does not think he's a left back. She thinks he's a left midfielder or a left wide player uh, further up the field. I think he's a left back. I think he absolutely has to shore up some things in his game defensively 100%. But I will repeat, I think he is the better prospect because I think he has more upside and more potential. Now, that does not guarantee, and I'm not saying here on what is today august 1st that of 2022 that noah allen's going to be a superstar left back that plays for real madrid and barcelona in his career i'm not saying that at all but from what i've seen from both of them to this point i think noah allen has more upside he's better with the ball at his feet he's got more f- attacking ideas as you've noted this past weekend like i said he got an assist i think he has and he's, and I think he's a little bit more athletically gifted in terms of speed. Uh, Harvey Neville doesn't have a whole lot of speed. I won't say he's the slowest player, but I don't think he's a whole lot of speed. He's, you know, he definitely has that foundation that you, know, you t- touched on and talked about in terms of the European foundation. And, and tactically, he might be further ahead, but he is also two years older. When you see him get forward, though, does he make that much of an impact? Is he that great of a defender? Like, I don't see as many promising points with Harvey Neville as I do with Noah Allen. And Harvey Neville's older. So, based on the question of prospect, I'm going Noah Allen. Who, by the way, is also, as I will reiterate from last week, getting international exposure by playing for the under-20 U.S. men's national team. He, should... he was
1: not a starter there, though.
0: Right. he was, I mean, he was a part-time starter. He started some games, didn't start in the other games. He also, um, you know, he will be in the fight over the next few years to play at the Olympics and play at the World Cup, at the Under-20 World Cup. So uh, that those are experiences that Harvey Neville is not getting and will he will not have for his development. So <clears throat> that's not to say that Harvey Neville is going to be a poor player or a bad player. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying prospect-wise, out of the two, I think Noah Allen is, is the better prospect. But anyway, okay, now your actual final thought, and then we'll wrap up the show.
1: Um, since I was not here the last pod... Um, I need to mention Sacramento Republic. Yeah, baby. (laughs) USL (laughs) Championship.
0: This is the same show. This is the same ending to the show we had last week. In the US Open (laughs) Cup
1: Final. And this is the moment for Inter-Miami fans to start learning about Sacramento Republic. Obviously, they will be facing Orlando City. And I'm assuming Inter-Miami fans, they do not want to see Orlando City win the US Open Cup and go to the Champions League. So... This is your time to get your gear ready. Drive three hours for 30 minutes, like, just like Franco does, on his way to Orlando and cheer on Sacramento Republic. I just can't wait to see USL Championship on the CONCACAF Champions League. That's, that's why I want Sacramento Republic to win. I, I want to I, I see that happen. I want to see US soccer um, allow a USL Championship team play in an international competition. I just want to see what happens. So that's my final thought.
0: Okay. All right. I mean, it's a lot of the same that we heard from Andrea last week. I feel like you two are 100% married and talk about soccer all day, every day, because a lot of your thoughts oh, are the same. I- except except when you guys are on the show and we start opining about different things, then you guys go at each other like, like cats and dogs, which I, I enjoy, but... You know what? When you guys are separated, it's like you're unified even more so because you guys say a lot of the same things uh, separately. We talk
1: about soccer all the time. We can make up about what we do here, but I don't (laughs) think that would be that interesting.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, that does it for this first show of the week. We'll be back again later in the week to recap the match against the San Jose Earthquakes and preview the following match against CF Montreal. So... For Jose Armando, a.k.a. Five, a.k.a. Island Jose, a.k.a. Meteorologist Jose, <laughs> I am Franco Penizo, you have been listening to Miami Total Football r- Radio.